Welcome back to the Broken Poetry Upcast for March 13th, 2017, featuring Brooklyn Arts Press publisher and editor-in-chief Joe Pan, leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC, Jason Koo. For this month's Yop, we had a special workshop in conjunction with the Nationwide Poetry Coalition's March Programming Initiative on the theme of migrations. Hashtag, we come from everything. This month's open mic lineup featured Bill Considine, Kieran Bath, Bonnie Belay, Candy Wolf, Richard Lowe, Sarah McCauley Passino, Jeffrey Bro, Kelly Gamble Carter, Richard Fine, Yun Wei, Judy Schneier, Isaac Myers III, Adrian Mowens, Gabriel Victor Cummings, Kaya Lung, Julia Nabla, Arthur Russell, Tess Congo, and Emily Blair. Let's get right to it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic. Enjoy. Welcome back. We are ready. We've got the music downstairs. We all love that music. It seems to get louder whenever we start. How's it going? It seems like a it seems like a subdued night. You know? I mean, it, it's just better now. It was very smooth earlier. It's like everyone is ready to be in their pajamas tomorrow. You know? we're, all, we're all sinking into the Netflix and Netflix binge. I mean, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be proofreading bios tomorrow for about 10 hours. Yes. Do you know how hard it is to proofread 170 poets' bios? Yes. How hard is it? It's very difficult. I haven't gotten to yours yet. I'm on, I'm on the M. Right now. I'm on A to M in the last. Oh my god. <laughs> you have no idea. Jeez, I feel bad for you. Just leave mine out. I could just leave your poem out. The Book and Pose Anthology does come out April 20th. We're excited. Uh, the launch party, you guys you guys are the first to hear of it, actually, uh, besides uh, the people that are, the secret people we are contacting about it. Uh, it's going to be at Smack Mellon in Dumbo, which is a huge gallery space. It's awesome. It's right across from the Manhattan Bridge, so it doesn't get any more scenic than that. You have plenty of Instagram opportunities to come to the party. Uh, it will be ticketed, you're hearing from me now. Full disclosure, it's going to be a $50 ticket. Why? Because you are getting food and wine inside the party, and I will be there. That's the main reason why. And Joe will be there. Uh, but here is the special deal, a $25 ticket. You get the ticket and the book. So the book is going to be sold for $25, so you might as well put it for $25 ticket. Between you and me, you get into the party and get the book. When is it? What day? April 20th. Yes. That's, it's going to be my life next week, promo for that, so that will happen next week. Um, are there other announcements? Yes, we have plenty of announcements, I know, Arthur. Every month, we record the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic. If you haven't read the open mic before, you get three minutes. Please keep to your time. 
There are a lot of poets on the list. There are a lot of people on the wait list that are grouchy. I've talked to some of them, and I, feel I sympathize with them. They want to read. They, they would probably assassinate you if they had the chance and, and no one saw you. So please keep to your time limits. Uh, if you don't want to be in the recording, it gets released as the Yawpcast, a monthly podcast on iTunes. By the way, subscribe to our podcast, for God's sakes. And rate us on iTunes. That's not what Gladwell likes to say. I've been listening to Malcolm Gladwell. That's awesome. It's like, uh, I'm Malcolm Gladwell. If you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes. So rate the goddamn Yawpcast on iTunes, for God's sakes. Um, you guys aren't following any of that, I can see. This guy's smiling, though. He's enjoying this. He's like, I'm going to just see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I own your ears right now. Uh, if you don't want to be in the opcast, just let me know. We will take you out the recording. Uh, what else? Every month we vote for Poem of the Month. Uh, that is done by audience vote. And you text me your vote. It's best if you just remember the name of the poet. That's probably the easiest way. I'll try to keep telling you the names of the folks as we go. That number for the first time tonight is 718-374-1953. And please wait till the end of the open mic and vote for Palm of the Month. 718-374-1953. Uh, if you have won Palm of the Month before this year, you are not eligible to win again. So there are a few of those folks tonight. You might not want to waste your vote on them. Or you, or you can, it's fine. Is there anything else out there that I'm forgetting? That's good, right? That's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's good. I'm glad. Oh, speak into the mic. Yes, speak into the mic. You remember everything. It's incredible. Uh, if you speak back here, your poem does not sound as good on the recording, so just keep that in mind. Our first reader of the night is our fabulous professor from the workshop. If you took the workshop with him, give it up for Joe Pan. Yeah! take another black life today because this is no new day. It's still yesterday. And the yesterday we live in has been a long, long day. People talk about tomorrow as if, as if they'd ever live in a tomorrow, but nobody's ever lived in a tomorrow. We just have today, which is not today, but yesterday. And yesterday, we know, has been a long, long day. Many times a day, I think about it, this possibility of tomorrow here in the heat of day, in what feels like an irrepressible heat of an interminable day. I think about what it will take to turn this day into something not this day, what will bring the night upon us and pull the heat from our bodies and quiet us, or I think of our bodies quietly repairing in the night between this day and whatever comes after this day. I can sense the new heat and hope it is not just the new yesterday. 
I can sense it blending with the night until there is no difference between the two. Until there is. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, is Tucker with Gearski here? Thank you, Ricky. It's so good to say it all. It is. Our next one of the evening is Bill Considine. Give it up for Bill. Thank you, Jason. Glad to be here. This is called New Questions. For hours in the afternoon, we played puzzles. And my daughter even let me watch an opera on TV while we played. What are they doing? They're all singing that they want a new king. What happens? A man becomes king, and they sing, and then later the king dies. I want to see the king die. That became the day's refrain. Is the king going to die now? I want to watch the king die. Ten weeks ago, her Aunt Lizzie died. Since then, at mention of Lizzie, my daughter has turned away and pulled inward, her arms at her chest. Watching the king on TV, she asks, will someone step on him? This must refer to ants on the kitchen floor, the first and only being she saw die, stepped on. No, he gets very sick. Will he die on something? He'll die on red steps, you'll see them. People die on something, yes. What did Lizzie die on? Lizzie died sitting in a chair, dear. This is her first mention of Lizzie since the morning after Lizzie died. Then she ventured to ease her mother's grief with, I think Lizzie's getting better now. Is the king going to die now? Soon, dear. I don't see the steps. The red steps are in front of his chair. I want to see the king die. The operatic climax when the great Basso Nesterenko sprawls his dead Boris Gudunov on red stairs in the Kremlin was my daughter's first glimpse at age three of human dying. She sat in my lap. Her mother came and sat beside us on the couch. She needed to talk, too, about grief and her sister's death. We were all pulling inward. She answered attentively our child's effort to share loss. Why does he die? He's very old, old and sick, very sick. Not a little sick like we get sometimes, but very sick. Why did Lizzie die? She was very sick. I don't like doctors, our daughter said with a shrewd look. The doctors helped Lizzie a whole lot. The doctors didn't make her die. Doctors help us. Lizzie died. Yes, Lizzie died and we're very sad. I miss Lizzie. We miss Lizzie too, very much. Lizzie died. Yes, she did, but, but we, we won't die. She waves among us three inclusive loved ones, so briefly dreamed in eternity. Her mother says, we won't die for a long, long time. No, I said, we won't die. We won't die for a long, long time. She curls her lip, looks hard, and does not dare to repeat the question, to hear again an awful amendment to her answer. The next day, I don't want to see opera again. It's too scary. Thank you.
All right. Sorry, I usually run the last little bit of this. People look at me like, oh, that's fucking it. That's terrible. March 13th. Next up, uh, Kieran Bath. Are you here? Negative. You are wrong. You are wrong twice in the history of the office. I've missed a couple of months. Can you sit that down first so I can introduce you properly? She's like, what? I just want you to get the proper applause. Everyone, give it up for Kieran Bath. Party. 
That's not true. Funny how he denies being there now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. That's probably like over 20 years ago. I was in like the fifth grade. I didn't kiss any people before college. So, it's like a mess. Anyway, enough about my kissing history. Uh, our next reader, I believe, is a Yop debuter. Give it up for Bonnie. Is it Billet? Belay. Belay? Give it up for Bonnie Belay. Um, tonight, actually, I'm honoring a relative of mine who was um, 
did it because we were talking about migration and ancestry, and this was a relative of mine who came from Russia at the age of seven to the land of America, the freedom that he sought after being um, in Russia for, for those years. And again, this is from my own family background. Um, the poem has been read, I was told many years back, at different events and um, like graduations, and it's called I Am an American, and I think that's very timely right now, too, how we you know, deal with changes going on. I Am an American, and it's by Elias Lieberman. I am an American. My father belongs to the sons of the revolution. My mother to the colonial Danes. One of my ancestors pitched tea overboard in Boston Harbor. Another stood his ground at Warren. Another hungered with Washington at Valley Forge. My forefathers were America in the making. They spoke in her council halls. They died on her battlefields. They commanded her ships. They cleared her forests. Dawns reddened and paled. Staunch hearts of mine beat fast at each new star in the nation's flag. Keen eyes of mine foresaw her greater glory, the sweep of her seas, the plenty of her plains, the manhives of her billion-wired cities. Every drop of blood in me holds a heritage of patriotism. I am proud of my past. I am an American. I am an American. My father was an atom of dust. My mother, a straw in the wind to his serene majesty. One of my ancestors died in the mines of Siberia. Another was crippled for life by 20 blows of the Canute. Another was killed defending his home during the massacres. The history of my ancestors is a trail of blood to the palace gate of the great white Tsar. But then the dream came, the dream of America. In the light of the Liberty Torch, the atom of dust became a man, and the straw in the wind became a woman for the first time. See, said my father, pointing to the flag that fluttered near, that flag of stars and stripes is yours. It is the emblem of the promised land. It means, my son, the hope of humanity. Live for it. Die for it. Under the open sky of my new country, I swore to do so. And every drop of blood in me will keep that vow. I am proud of my future. I am an American. Richard Loeb. Give it up for Richard. Yay!
my birthday tonight. Oh. <laughs> I always score some points in that. Uh, this is a poem that uh, I wrote uh, fairly recently for a uh, performance uh, group I chose through Meetup did called uh, Love of the Tri Time of Trump. And uh, this is uh, Trump, a love letter. <laughs> Donald. I want to hold you in my arms tightly until all the air leaves your body <laughs> in a sudden gasp. I want to grasp your tiny little hands in mine, squeeze until your knuckles whiten because you love that color so well. Make you yell the names of those you consider vulgar. Hillary, Elizabeth Warren, Barack Obama, Muhammad. I want to eat a bag of Cheetos. Clean my fingers by <coughs> running them through your hair. Because no one will ever notice. And no one will ever care. <laughs> Mr. President, I want to bend you over. Grab your pussy. <laughs> Spank you hard until your cheeks are red for all the naughty things you've done. If you promise to be a good boy, I may reward you with your favorite treat, golden showers, <laughs> rain down as if by God's decree. Dottie, let me whisper some sad, sweet, Top secret fake news in your ear. <laughs> Enlighten you, make things clear. You think you've won the only victory you have achieved. It's everlasting infamy as the most reviled so called leader our great nation has ever had. Sarah Macaulay Pasino.
in the back of the glove compartment on the top shelf of the cupboard. When I stand to speak now, here we all are, the thick-tongued fool, the Bolshevik mime, 22 cartoon monks in Coptic cloth, a diviner in gold brocade. I begin to study spells at night from Blackbird's books who nest down inside these midden nests I've never known till now. And in the streets, I start and catch the eye of all my kin, like lichen, selving, blooming, painting, carpeting rock, all kith and kindred. I see a boy and turn him from an orphan. He turns me to a map, just like that. In a few steps, we're brothers, and look, now, we're back to dirt. Sarah, I see why she won. 
That was Sarah McCauley Passino. Before that was Richard Loeb, Candy Wolf, Bonnie Belay, Kieran Bath, and Bill Considine. And Joel Pan. By the way, you can't look at Joel, unfortunately. You could, but you know what will happen if you vote. If you do. The number, once again, 718-374-1953. Our next poet is, I believe, another Yawk debuter. I'm going to hopefully pronounce his name correctly. Jeffrey Breo. Bro. Bro. Bro, everybody. Uh, I have two poems. The first one is uh, an untitled haiku. Thank you, I spend most of my days regarding ephemera, born of silica. And the uh, second poem is um, <clears throat> titled Called Evolution. The evolution will not be televised. It will not be corporatized or politicized or commodified. The evolution will take place inside kitchens, coffee shops, grocery stores, and on the paved dirt and cobblestone streets around the world. It will take place in communities long asleep, communities that have forgotten they are communal. Evolution will feel at first like the ripping of flesh, a violation of self. But we will come to realize it was merely the shedding of skin. The discarding of identities we've been clinging to, like raccoons clinging to food in a trap, grasping desperately until death. Life will not be the same. Every one of us who has grown comfortable with the status quo will realize that the quo is not what we were quoted. That the dreams we were sold were little more than oppression in the disguise of trinkets, pieces of paper, and addictions peddled to us by corporations concerned with increasing consumption, even at the cost of our complaints. The evolution will begin in each of us and will grow through courage. We'll grow through the courage to see that the way things are now is not the way they have to be. To stare the system in the eye and recognize that despite its complexity and our fallibility, we must do something. That despite our lack of training, our fear of failure, our bias and our blindness, our past and future misdeeds, despite all of this, we are human. Just like every single person who has changed the world before. From this courage will come the humility to realize that we can't evolve alone, that no one has ever changed the world alone. We idolize the individual, but like the scarecrow in the cucumber field, the individual is a myth, a false idol. And idols exist to strip us of our power. Idols exist to let us imagine that some other will come to save us, that some glorious future is already written in the stars. Wake up. Wake up to the realization that the other coming to save us is us. Wake up to the realization that the arc of history does not bend without the grasping, clawing, unrelenting hands of every person who has the courage to come together and make the world a place they want to live. Wake up to the realization that whether you have 33, 62, or 200 years on this earth, every one of us has the ability and the obligation to force that arc to bend. Wake up to the realization that our separations are a mirage, a mirage manufactured to maim the masses. So family, wake up. Stand together. Evolve together. Put aside the small differences that keep us weak. Forgive those beside you for past sins. Bathe in their forgiveness of yours. And rise to swift action against our true enemies. The demons of atomized power, systemized greed, and the internalized sense of scarcity, which keeps us blind to what truly makes us happy, prosperous, and great. Thank you, Jeffrey. 
Yes. Thank you, Jeffrey Bro. Our next reader is a former Brooklyn Poets Fellowship finalist. Very exciting for all of you, I know. Give it up for Kelly Ginn McArthur.
disposal of product. Yes, the Pieta was within the marble all along, and Michelangelo was a magician with his chisel, but beneath master and masterpiece lay the talus and spree of a thousand stillborn Pietas, and legions of unborn hamlets were aborted on purple paper tossed into Shakespeare's trash. Even grade Z meat chucked from Emerald's Cajun kitchen can be seasoned and stewed for gourmet tastes. These maestros of shards, ports, and leavings, these discerning demiurges of odds from ends, these dumpster craftsmen, chunk heap artisans, prestidigitators of factory seconds who fashion aesthetics out of ashes, we should all be in awe of their rag-picker genius. <laughs> and so each time you spring clean worn-out possessions, don't haggle them away on flea-market tables, but leave the, those cast-offs on the curbs. They're soon-to-be-discovered unknown artists prowl skin-grown <coughs> streets for inspiration. this dark, red, pinprick presence that has claimed squatter's rights on my skin. My finger rubs against this rough plug that keeps my blood from leaking out. Not like some gushing geyser, but rather like the leaky faucet of capillary cuts drip by drop. It's downright personal, body-to-body -body stuff by salty elixir of heaped up corpuscles and dry stale blood. It's Madame Scab, that demanding <laughs> lady who wants a back rub. Very hard. <laughs> a first class scraping of her gadfly itch. Or is it my itch? Sometimes I get confused. She's a witch. She possesses me with this desire to scoop out the spoiled flesh. It makes no sense. She should be a kindly nurse who salves my pain, then politely retires when a job is done, instead of this torturous tickling. <laughs> Yet, I get brutal and pick on her. Hmm. She'll surely return and again demand that strange, soothing sting. Madame Scab tempts my fingers against my very own flesh. So, at night, alone in bed, the sadistic masochist whispers of the bed, Darling, dig those short, manly fingers, nails deep, and step away while I moan harder, harder to the brink of pain. Yeah! <laughs> Good stuff. That was Richard Fine. <laughs> nobody else. <laughs> I like that you used the word "sabs" in the poem. You like that word "sab"? Yes. How do you pronounce it? Sab. I mean, that's how you pronounce it now. But how did you pronounce it? Before? <laughs> <laughs> Go back. That was how do you pronounce S C H I S M? 
Our next poet is, I hope I get his name right, if I don't correct me, Yun Wei? Is that right? Yun's. You're like, yes, that's wrong. Give it up for Yun Wei. Too many, but my thoughts and feelings. <laughs> 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 you 
You see tiny, noxious grooves ready to crack open, tunnel your brain and your sanity. Because you think about my thoughts and feelings this way, I'd like to wipe you off my board. You're in every picture. Those picks shine brighter than today or yesterday. If I spray them away, I may evaporate, leaving only my shoes. I need to see my younger days, strolling the babies with diapers and paper cups, goldfish and rice cakes, spare pants and wipes. Now I bite. Years ago, some strangers put a giant silk flag on Moses' birthday. We were all there. We shook its edges, sending giant waves of air underneath. The children sailed across that booming sea. It seemed the kids were always really loud. I could have made kept a storyline that tied us all together. Maybe I'd have found the wizard. Not the first two he didn't like. The one behind curtain number three, <laughs> whose words could have sent us home together, clicking our heels. I'll never know. The show's been discontinued. <laughs> now, I spew out my thoughts and feelings I write them down. I read them out loud. <laughs> Someday, I hope they land in a book I can dedicate to you. My muse. Yes, you. Your hatred fuels my poetry. <laughs> like bombs of feelings, my thoughts desperately try to diffuse. <laughs> started a journal recently, uh, heard one of my poems and decided to start a journal. <laughs> this is a true story. It's just made me feel really good about myself. <laughs> so I'm excited to hear his poem tonight. Give it up for Isaac Myers III. Driving, it is raining where we park. 
There have been titters and patters, sounds of drops against the roof upon the windshield. The wipers have taken them away. They have returned. The wipers have taken them away. They have returned. Minneapolis summers do not begin early. We do not begin early. I have cut tomatoes with you. We have boiled the rice. Women in navy blouses have asked me questions I could not answer. A dying cigarette has been pushed out against the fire escape. My feet I have rested on the steps. Out there we have heard the voice, the first echoes of thunder of voices, of mothers calling from the distance their children home again. The running footsteps we have watched with the nights. We have overcome the time, the two of us with age. <laughs> A pencil has been snapped and taped together, snapped, halved, and mended together once more. I have thought of you across an ocean. Men in cufflinks have asked me about you. I have run out of reliances, out of vices. I have felt not tired in the vast wind, standing before the mirror, looking to my reason for myself, I have been glad to blink. Old ageless women with nephews have wished me good afternoons. I have offered yes, you as well. Your gift, I haven't seen you in forever, what that brings. We give what it leaves behind, what it winters. We give spurts of each other, not knowing what to do with them. I am walking doubting your absence. I want to not italicize your name. I have stood cold and empty at night. A woman I've never known has always been crying beside me. It's the weeping space that suddenly is the late summer Saturday afternoon. The walking taco falling apart and onto your sandal. Won't you pour another drink past this autumn? Bike rack clicked, closed, locked for the season. It's been a shame before I have picked up the phone, dialed the number, waited, and stood up and set the down again. I am jogging with my mind the how many months. You are leaving. I am helping you pack, bringing the everywhere suitcases down from the attic window. We crawled through on, we crawled through onto the roof, having spring for fruit. We crossed the street, way over and down their flowers, are opening themselves, accepting our about them words with you. I have walked January sidewalks across the city in search of who am I? Question upon a question, last year's Minnesota. I am driving north to the sleet over ice to see you. When the snow pulled back, we are younger, running beside you. I am setting the brick down before the front door, kicking it into place and retying my shoe. You were the only three months in Madrid. I am waiting. You, Isaac. Now, moments. Uh, like a little pause here. <laughs> Our next one of the evening is Adrian Moen. Give it up for Adrian. Stammers, 
tough-lipped through its raw, steaming season, quilts into the sleeping hall, hewn hands mute through a cornered spine to crawl, a ride, minted to currency of loss, of body hair discolored, snot, a body of exit only, provisional currency of a reclaimed nest, festering with institution of utterness, acrid, air hanging barred in my black plunge, a plume of eels, a writhing lustrous lung, my disembodied locus fuming with arrival, a tirade of abandoned limbs expunged from decorative torsos, ride in limpfic war, coccyx psoriatic homage to blood-filled and right-hanging flecks of meat, feeding or scaling this poem is called Two Assassins. Two Assassins. We need your brutal conviction, your finger-swift mind, your bloody intent and disruptive shadowed bodies. We need to know you are not here. When will you arrive for us? This peace cannot tolerate your absence. We will forgive your past blood-matted hair. Stained garments can be washed again. When can we fawn over your sight lines, reconstruct the destination, and turn our cheeks to roses of humility and your grace? We will say, what service what service that I could not. So to thank you in advance, here is your bouquet. All right, uh, last moment. Uh, on showing you my collection of threadbare shirts. <laughs> Let me know how you want to fade and I will wear you daily, rising to clothe myself in your once heavy fabric. A burden to keep me upright, a crown lit atop my head, or a nest in which to coddle the honey of absence. It will keep it sealed there with the rest of my gilded liaisons. Let me know how you will slight and bend to slant or attempt in time to filter, shift, sift, and how the sun will take you in to shape my body's tight shadowed cavities. What places you strain to kiss or itch will tear first, then light my skin abruptly, interrupt the secrets of movement from form. Let me tumble to rags your once rigid shape, as if spare, as if duplicitous longing found hands to rebuild the tremble at once, longing that wilts upon the grave of every evening and calls for keeping between walled rooms rather than under endless blue fabric, drenched, singing beneath the flickering applause of aspen leaves the same honey color as my gilded crown. And so I recede with you in missing, paint my palms with rust, lure beauty to impersonate truth, and ask how you wish to be reborn. It will not be through idleness or as a flower pressed before it blooms.
Thank you, Adrian. That was Adrian Mullins. Before that was Isaac Myers the third, Judy Schneier, Young Way, Richard Fine, Kelly Ginn, Carter. Okay, where are we? Next up is another Yop debuter. Give it up for Gabriel Victor Cummings. Subterranean expanse beneath Morgan Avenue. I notice how its cracked tiles adhere to columnar sheaths, subtly interacting with the ceramic corridors and signal beams. Peering down the vertical vastness of this memory museum, I begin to notice certain incongruities. Across the platform, revelers and priests battle for black tie supremacy, squabbling for window space to peddle their latest cocktails and literary memories. After hours and inhabitants are spewing out in all directions. From the corner of my wandering eye, I find panhandlers and gerrymanders who congregate alongside soprano stairwells and manipulate the latest advertisements with switchblade soliloquies. I suppose this wondrous life couldn't exist above sea level where sketchy sewer grates and con ed power lines serve as articulating arteries where are nascent musical collections and illegal streams. After resting on this rickety Brooklyn bench, I have come to realize that curious hands have peeled back various layers of billboard grease. And like urban archaeologists, I have rediscovered how America used to be. At the very least, these passageways are patrolled by heavyset hypochondriacs who postulate this idea between applications of their Purell per diem. <laughs> Beneath these steel buttresses that supported faded Art Deco mosaics, I collaborate with the faint echoes of the universe, which whisper, the next Manhattan-bound L train will arrive in approximately 40 minutes. <laughs> okay. um, this next one is uh, my ode to Dionysus, which you've been doing for thousands of years and now, so his lust for life permeates through the finite realm of homeostasis, where rationality appears as urban waste. This growing populace sways like a drunken pendulum in suspended animation, seeking respite against the... Oh, sobriety. All across the country, tap rooms and cellars are controlled by a stingy horde of platypus personnel who campaign against the decadence of ethanol allegories. These held masses have constructed emerald cities and emerging markets and demand little except the occasional fermented tannin. Fall on thy knees and gather round Riesling reservoirs with merriment and libation, for taboos are overthrown by sleight of hand. Under Dionysus' celestial command, decisions of the rapture have been temporarily delayed until the wine provisions are carefully inspected. Intoxicated by delirious euphoria, denizens make offerings to the gown, to the god who drowns the midnight moon with medicated ease. As sweet tracity approaches, subservient lips interject much to our detriment. Thank you.
Okay, thank you, Gabriel. We are just a few hours away from snow, so get excited. Come on, come on, Carville, like yeah, yeah, right. yeah, educators, man. No educators. Yeah. Listen to Hank. He knows what I'm talking about. You gotta love Ricky. I mean, he's so enthusiastic. <laughs> I need Ricky like in my heart. You know? <laughs> I just need like a little Ricky implanted in me. <laughs> Our next oh, poet is a very talented student of mine from Quinnipiac University. He came all the way here from We're on Break, so he's using it uh, wisely. He's using it wisely because it's certainly going to help his grades. So, you know, it, can't, it can't hurt, that's for sure. Uh, not only is he a great poet, but he's a badass Asian American male poet, which, if you know me at all, you know, I treasure. So, please give it up for Kyle Lang. language from the first ever piece of American legislation that banned any group from migrating to America. So this poem is titled Elimination Treaty. Elimination Treaty. One, whereas in the opinion of the government of the United States, the coming of Chinese laborers to this country endangers the good orders of certain localities within the territory thereof. Therefore, two, whereas my grandfather washed dishes when he came to the U.S. until he was promoted to being a drying rack. <laughs> Three, in the opinion of the government of the United States, licenses to practice medicine in the East were worth less than factory-printed baseball cards. Four, whereas Lee from East of Eden, P.F. Chang should have been P.F. Chong's. General Sal was more of a pork guy. <laughs> Five, the coming of Chinese laborers to this country endangers the good orders of certain localities within the territory thereof. Therefore, go back to where you came from, they shouted following me with their hands, stretching the sides of their faces, laughter chasing my silk shirt into the silence that hung from the English alphabet strung above the door to Mrs. Crocker's first grade classroom, where we recited the Pledge of Allegiance every morning to a flag with yellow stars lighting on fire. Six, Denver, October 31st, 1880. Honolulu, January 20th, 1900. Santa Ana, May 25th, 1906. 1. That no Chinese person shall be permitted to enter the United States by land without producing to the proper officer of customs the certificate in this act required of Chinese persons seeking to land from a vessel. 8. No Chinese person shall be permitted to enter. 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 Nine. No. Ten. This act required that, until the age of 10, my best friends were black. Amon and I said that he was Chris Tucker and I was Jackie Chan. The Rush Hour movies were the reason why he broke his wrist and I thought that I could jump off the play skate. <laughs> Nine. How do you like me now, bitch? 
one, whereas the opinion of the government endangers me. She's like, I'm done for the year. I'll be back in December. Our next, I was going to say our next opponent. That doesn't make any sense. Our next poet, one poem of the year for 2016. So give it up for Julia Nabla. faces, lost and hopeful on the island platform. According to the Book of Changes, six in the fifth place means the sovereign eye gives his daughter in marriage and supreme good fortune. At high speed, dark and white planes fly by until the radio tower of the Cold War West. Silvery moonbeams, orange waves, heralds the city and the train slows down. Glide silently past sleeping houses, sleeping houses, lives in suspension, memories in transit, protected by the tenderness of night. Berlin. This outpost of bunkers and coal cellars guarded my goods and plants that too lay dormant and dispersed, waiting in storage boxes under fluttering plaster for a new life. For painful to decide what to dump and what to ship across the sea what to abandon, what to bid on. Which draft was more important? Weren't they all? Reinvention starts with elimination. In hindsight, though, it's merely circumstantial. Household effects entrusted in experienced hands, all pressing tasks have been resolved. Up on the hill, the airport light searches the sky while I wander through familiar streets and breathe the free, serene air of the vine. We lose ourselves to gain more strength, a rite of passage in some sense, a crucial sacrifice for love. The huddled masses enjoyed one clear advantage. 
They had no choice, only one piece of baggage. The ship reaches New York a day before the storm. Oblivious, I sit under sultry lamplight in the warm kitchen. Rain hammers against dirty windows, a billboard shatters to the ground. The wise trees in the cemetery scream for help to no avail. The full moon courts the search. An inundated port, a frightening oxymoron. Mindful decisions are drowned and, dis and dissolved. <coughs> Who wants to take responsibility? Mold on books and chairs, mockery in the husband's voice. Why should he care about the photograph album? As towers tumble, tunnels burst, and beaches burn, I stagger past a point of no return. Deprived, unmoored, excluded from the universe, I ask beheaded angels, where is home? Stray cats observe me listlessly and vanish. Back on another continent and in another year, the parents are still standing on the island platform, handkerchiefs wave, wave in frozen fingers. Thank you. Thank you, that was Julian Knobloch. Next up, we have our Yawper of the Year from 2016. Also very good adjusting the mic, get up for Arthur Russell. Hi. First thing, thank you, Joe Pan. That was a great workshop. Not just the one you did today, but the one you taught last year that I was in at your house, that everybody should sign up for if they haven't already. That's right. Thank you. I made a book. So if you want one, let me know. Third of all, I have a new obsession. I don't know how to talk about it except to read you these couple of quick poems. This one, I started up at the last workshop here with uh, Josh Megan on the sonnet. This is my first sonnet since I was in high school. It's called Widow. She dreamed the fervent faces of bearded men at prayer, like polished kernels on a cob of corn, gleaming yellow in altar light and rocking with prayer books riding open in their palms, the pages lying flat from so much reading, and shirt sleeves rolled to show their freckled forearms. Women stood behind the rail, some on cell phones, in stretched out flats and long black skirts, immune. She woke a little sweaty at the neckline of her nightgown, breathing somewhat heavily. The TV told the side effects of a drug she didn't need yet, while its blue light shone upwards. Like reflections under bridges, she and her husband had admired in Venice. And this one, 
the same obsession, but different. It's called Grandma's Poem. I gave her a chance, several, when they got engaged, to act appropriately, to show some respect. I paid for their wedding. Her parents paid nothing. Then she fought me tooth and nail on every detail. And never a thank you. They moved into that house, a charmless little ratty house in Jersey, and she rebuffed all my decorating ideas. My husband was alive then. He said, give her time. It's not just me. My kids had a lovely tradition. They don't go out for dinner on each other's birthdays, spouses too, and I'd contribute a hundred bucks for wine. Soon enough, she put the kibosh on that. <laughs> At every turn, she rubbed my nose in her coldness and pretended she was only being polite. Don't piss on my head and tell me that it's raining. I know her type. My big sister is the same way. I put up with this crap until they had a kid. I'm the grandmother. She should bring the child to me. It's not my job to beg. The truth, I can't stand her. She has deprived me of any relationship. The girl hardly knows me. If you want to know, my son, for all his good qualities, is to blame, at least in part. He should have taken a stronger hand with her. He should have made her understand what's what. I see the toll she's taken on him. Terrible. He was always moody. But now I see it's worse. Thank God he doesn't bring her when he visits me. Leave her behind in her ratty New Jersey dump. He helps me with my finances and fixes things in my apartment. The baby is in college. He asks me about the old days in Brighton Beach. For breakfast, I toast bagels with the insides removed. Thanks. Well played, poet. She rebuffed all my decorating ideas. Uh, so we're onto the wait list, and uh, Heather Hooper, our beloved intern, has made an amazing sacrifice of her own spot on the wait list. Um, but our other intern will be reading now. That's <laughs> 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 oh, not what I was interested in. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even introduced you yet. Hold on. <laughs> I didn't really think through that intro before I did it. I like it. <laughs> anyway. Now the greedy. For our next poet, <laughs> going up for Jess Cago. Bright. 
he must love me. He spreads me out in the grass and feeds me his fingers till they feel inside of me. Poking the pain pocketed in my chest, he grapples for my ribs, begging me for one, just one. For a souvenir, he says. So I'll remember you, he says. But I draw the lace back over my ribs, and his fingers fumble onto my fishnets, and he fucks them up so bad my thigh spills out bright and white, and I feel like the moon falling out of the sky. I have to close my eyes and kiss him so hard, he'll never remember my name. You got a great poem, man. You got to get up there. Uh, seriously, I'm going to fucking around now. Take your spot, Arthur. Anyway. <laughs> Our last poet of the evening is Emily Blair. You're up for Emily. Thank you, Emily. 
by the way, Emily Blair is Brooklyn Poet of the Week. Poem <laughs> of the Month, the number once again to vote for Poem of the Month, 718-374-1953. Vote once, please. Seriously, don't flood me with text messages. Uh, that was Emily Blair. Before that, we had Tess Congo. Before that, we had Leonardo Russell, oh, Julia Knobloch. Okay, is it Kyle Long? Kyle Long. You did it better than I would. Gabriel Victor Cummings, Adrian Mowens, Isaac Myers III, Judy Schneier, Yon Wei, Richard Fine, Kelly Gannon-Garter, Jeffrey Bro, Sarah McCauley Passino, Richard Loeb, Candy Wolf, Bonnie Belay, Karen Bath, and Bill Considine. And Joe Pan, way back in the day. That was really a long time ago. Uh, if you want to sign up for the next open mic, uh, so you can sign up right now on your phone. I recommend it. The list fills up pretty quickly. It fills up in like a week or two. Uh, if you wait until a week before, you're going to be on the wait list, I guarantee you. I apologize if you couldn't read tonight. I do feel bad for you. Believe me, more than you probably know. I take you to sleep, I wake up the next day, and I feel bad for you still. <laughs> Our next uh, yawp, well, I think it's April 10th, whatever the second Monday of April is, a very special yawp. That is our fifth anniversary yawp. Actually, sorry, it's our fourth. Our fourth, right? The fifth anniversary of Roman Poets in May. The fourth anniversary yawp. And I found out today led by Dennis Nurksey, former poet laureate of Brooklyn. He is an OG. Definitely. You know what I mean? He is like this incredible, he's like a white, you know, like the old man that's seen that Broadway story, that Dennis Nurksey is like that guy. Except he's alive. He's a fish. Uh, he's a fantastic poet, so uh, you should come out for that. It's a special treat. Yeah, true, also. I have no idea where that comment's coming from, so thank you. Uh, come out for that. Uh, be well. Share your poems from the workshop. We come from everything. Hashtag, Brooklyn Poets of Yoss, if you want to share something from this. And uh, that's all I have for tonight. Stay warm. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for March 13th, 2017. If you like what you heard, as Malcolm Gladwell likes to say in his own podcast, rate us on iTunes. It helps. But seriously, it really does. Rate us on iTunes. Thanks to Joe Pan for leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic, and for co-editing and co-publishing the forthcoming Brooklyn Poets Anthology coming your way on April 20th, 2017. We're very excited about that. And congrats to Young Wei for winning Yacht Poem of the Month for March, decided by audience vote for her poem, When Did We Begin If No One Saw the Collision? Terrific title for a terrific poem. Our next yop comes your way in National Poetry Month on Monday, April 10th, 2017, starting at 7 p.m. This will be the fourth anniversary of the Brooklyn Poets Yop, so it's a very 
special yop indeed. It will be led by former Brooklyn Poet Laureate D. Nerksy. That's D for Dennis. If you are interested in what the D stands for, Dennis is an OG of the Brooklyn School. You really want to come out for that because he is a fantastic poet and a really just incredible human being. We're excited to have Dennis there. We hope to see you there. Brooklyn Poets Yop, April 10th, 2017. For more information, go to brooklynpoets.org. And I think that's it. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at the next Yop.